Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, find with me Mark chapter 6 and also Luke chapter 4. Thursday night at 1 o'clock, which we've already updated you on some situations and the prayers, I was sitting in front of a blank piece of paper thinking, what sermon should I preach today? And after about 45 minutes, I sat there, felt like the Lord said, Jake, uh, I knew where we would be in the book of Mark when this day came. And so the sermon that you have is the sermon that is needed. And the sermon that was prepared for today is our heart's response. And it was going to be about dealing with rejection and pain and what Jesus went through and what our heart should be like. We've looked over the last four to five weeks, if not months, about Jesus healing, Jesus touching, Jesus being with people in the storms, and yet He did all of that so that people would know Him. Know Him as Lord, Savior. Lord would know Him as the Prince of Peace, would know Him as the friend that sticks closer than the brother. And so when we come to Mark chapter 6, It's this idea of the heart. And this morning, when we pray in situations like today, we always pray first for comfort for those who have lost loved ones, for peace, for the Lord to send people into the life. We pray for healing for those who have been through surgery or going to be through surgery, for recovery, that God would be with them. But I believe the most important thing on top of that that we are to be praying for is the hearts of those who go through tragedy. The hearts that go through hardship. Because all of us have emotions. All of us have feelings. And for some, that heartbreak can draw people closer to the Lord. For others, the anger can draw people farther from the Lord. And so the issue of the heart is something that you and I have no control over for someone else. But I believe we're to be praying for Lord, soften hearts, comfort hearts, equip hearts. And so as we come to this text today, Jesus goes back to His hometown. The people that He knows best, that know Him best. And in Mark 6 and Mark 13, you see the same story. Jesus goes to Nazareth. But in Luke 4, there is another story of Jesus going to Nazareth. And I believe through study and what the Bible tells us, these are two events. The first time Jesus goes and they hate Him. They hate Him. They are dealing with the emotions of Him. But the second time He comes back, they've already decided, we don't want any part of you. We have rejected you. Our hearts have grown cold to you, God. There's nothing you can do that can change us. And if you're familiar with the passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 4, I won't read it just for the sake of time today. But in Luke chapter 4, Jesus reads to them and He tells them, Hey, I am the Son of God. I I am the answer to the problems. I am the one promised in the Old Testament. And they became so angered. Listen to what the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 4, verse 28 through 30. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city. And they led him 
to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down off of the cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. You say, why would Jesus go back to these people, to this town, after they have tried to murder him? They they hate him. Why would he have any desire and love and compassion not only to go back to them, but the second time he takes his disciples with him? I just think about this. I'm thinking the disciples have probably heard this. And they're thinking, Lord, you're taking us to the place where they hate you, where they tried to murder you, and you want us to go with you? This can't be right. And this morning, as we look through this text, I want to ask you just a couple things to think about. One, your heart. All that goes on in your life, whether today or in the weeks and months that have passed in your own life, what is your heart like? What is your heart like to that person that votes differently than you, that looks differently than you? For that person that hurts you when you were a child, that person who is hurting you through a broken marriage or a broken relationship. Where is your heart today? Is it hard? Is it soft? Is it broken? Where are you today? Because today I want you to know that God is willing to work if we'll let Him. And so if you would stand with me out of a reverence to the reading of God's Word, I want to read to you Mark chapter 6. We see Jesus going back to this very same group of people. Verse 1, it says, Then he went out from there and came to his own country. And his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not these his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. Pray with me. Father, this morning, only you can touch hearts this morning. Lord, only you can convict, encourage, do the things that need to be done. I just pray, Lord, through the preaching of your word that you would accomplish your plans and purposes for this place. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And so I want you just two very quick things this morning is the heart of Jesus. This heart of compassion that says they hate me, They tried to take my life, but I love them enough to go back to them. I ask you that this morning in your own walk with the Lord. Do you have a desire to love those who have hurt you? Do you have a desire to love God if you feel that He has wronged you? Do do we have a desire to go to the ends of the earth, to to, to the lost of this world? And do we have that desire no matter what happens? Do we understand that God loves broken and hurting people? And He has given us the task of one, taking the gospel to them no matter what, and two, to love and care for those who are hurting.
by all worldly standards, Jesus should have said, I'm done with you. I'm not coming back to you. You have made your decision. But listen to what the Bible tells us in Hebrews 7 verse 25. Therefore, he who is able to save to the uttermost, those who come to God through him, since he always, always, always lives to make intercession for them. You need to know that when you become a child of God, there is never a time when Jesus is not intercessing on your behalf. Whether it is for forgiveness, that God will continue to forgive you. Whether it is in those moments of prayer when you do not know the words to say and the Bible says that He takes our groanings and takes them to the Father. In those moments, He is always at work in our life, always involved in our life, always encouraging, always working on our behalf. And today I want to encourage you with that because whatever you're going through, whether it's a broken heart, whether it's an angry heart, whether you're asking God why, whether you're asking God why things couldn't be different, in that moment you need to know that God has not abandoned you. God has not left you. God has not looked at you and said, why are you asking why? No, God is big enough for you to come to Him with your pain and your heartache and your struggle and say, God, I need you always in every situation. He always makes intercession for us. In Matthew, the 23rd chapter, probably my favorite few verses of Scripture in the entire New Testament, Jesus is looking out over the nation of Israel. and He loves them. They are His chosen people but yet He knows they are going to reject Him. He knows they are going to turn on Him. And He writes these words that shows us the heart of Jesus. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing See, your house is left to you desolate, for I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. God wanted to draw the nation of Israel to Himself. God wanted to work and move in their life. And that has not changed. In whatever situation that you're in, whatever struggle that you're facing, whether you're here today and you say, God couldn't love one someone like me, Jake. I've got such a past. I've got so many sins. I've got so many failures. God has a desire for you. The Bible says that God desires that all men would be saved. He looks out over our brokenness and our pain and our struggle and says, I care about you. I will make intercession for you. He will come to you just like He went to them. Just like He went to their town, He will come to your life. I think this is very important because in the story in Luke, they say, isn't that Joseph's son? Right? They're trying to explain that we know his dad. At this point in the story, they don't call him Joseph's son. They call him Mary's son. And most Bible commentators believe that is because they were slandering him because they had heard the story that Mary was pregnant before her and Joseph got together. They were using that as an opportunity to slander him. Who does this guy think he is with his mother did what she did? And so see, their hatred has turned to hard heart. 
And friends, this morning you and I need to know that in our hearts we have emotions, we have thoughts, we have struggles, and God is able to work in all of those if we'll let Him. Second thing I want to show you this morning is the heart of unbelief. When we do not let God deal with our emotions, our struggles, our pain, look what it says in verses 4-6. through But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. This is not teaching that Jesus can't do miracles if you don't believe. What it teaches here is that their hearts had grown so cold Their hatred had turned so much that he said there's no point of doing miracles because you've already hardened your heart. You've already rejected the love and mercy and miracles that I have done in your life. This morning I want to say that to you because I've seen it so many times in church. You preach about a sin and someone's like, oh, can't believe he said that. You preach about it another time. Oh, I can't believe you said that. But the longer they listen to that, the more they just don't care. Their hearts grow cold. The same way happens when we struggle with different things, different emotions. If we don't give them to God, the longer we fight that battle ourselves, the more hard, the more cold, the more dead we become. In Psalm 95, starting in verse 11, the Bible tells us this warning. Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness. When your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they saw my work. Don't miss that. He says, you saw the miracles happen. You saw all that is being done happen. Even though the last two days uh, when I was in Phoenix, there was terrible loss and and terrible struggle and terrible tears. Um, They are keeping list of the miracles. The miracles that God is doing. The miracles that God is working. The miracles that God is providing. And friends, this morning, it doesn't matter if it's this situation or the situations that you are going through. What God wants you to know is if you will look hard enough if you will listen to Him, if you will see what He is doing, no matter what brokenness you have been through, no matter what pain you have been through, no matter what valley you have went through, no matter what storm you have went through, God wants you to see that there is a work going on. He has not left you. He's not abandoned you. There are things going on that show you He's there. It goes on and says, For 40 years I was grieved with that generation and said, It is a people who have gone astray with their hearts, and they do not know my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. In the book of Romans, Paul writes the same thing because I don't want you just to see that it's an Old Testament concept. It's a New Testament concept as well. It's throughout all of God's Word. That God is trying to reveal Himself. He is trying to work in your situation. He's trying to do amazing things, even in the brokenness. 
In Romans chapter 1, the Bible says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen. Are clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made. Who is made by Him? We. What he's saying is there is enough evidence if we will listen, if we will look into creation, into God's working, to know that there is no accident, that we're not here by chance, that there is a God who is all-powerful and all-in-control, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are not without excuse. Because although they know knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful but become futile in their thoughts. I want to stop right here for just a moment. People ask, why are people in the situation that they're in? How can situations change us? How can hurt change us? How can betrayal change us? It starts in the mind. It starts right here. The thoughts of who we are. God doesn't love me. God doesn't care about me. God can't forgive me. God can't provide the miracle. God can't do this. Satan begins to work. I don't deserve it. I, I, I can't understand it. It starts in the mind. It starts in the being of who we are. And then it goes to where? Look what it says here. Futile and their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. You see, these individuals hated Jesus. And that hatred ended up colding their heart. Deadening their heart. And this morning I ask you that because whatever we are going through, whatever we are struggling with, God is big enough to handle it. God is big enough to handle your anger. God is big enough to handle your whys. God is big enough in every situation for you to honestly come to Him and say, God, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm struggling with. This is the lies that Satan has told me. This is the anger, the pain. God, I have it here. I need you. Friends, if you will bring it to Him, He can handle it. You say, well, Jake, I I almost feel bad asking it. Don't! God knows what's in our heart. God knows the secret places. And God says, come. Come. Don't allow Satan to mess with your mind and harden your heart. And So how does this conclude this morning? Two places in the New Testament is this world marveled, used in this context. One extremely positive, one extremely negative. In Mark chapter 6, it says, And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. This didn't surprise God. I hope you know that. Nothing surprises God. But what he's saying is this is the picture of what unbelief looks like. This is the picture of what it looks like when someone has blasphemed the Holy Spirit and has no desire for the things of God. But on the flip side, in Luke chapter 7, Jesus uses the same word, the same terminology, but it's the most positive. There is a centurion servant 
in Luke chapter 7. And I won't read it all for the sake of time. And he comes to the Lord and he says, Lord, in verse 6, Do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I do not even think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus looked at him in verse 9 and said, When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. He didn't say that because he believed so much that the miracle happened. He didn't say that that he believed so little that the miracle didn't happen. What he says is, that's what faith looks like. That you believe God can work. You believe that God can heal. You believe that God can carry. You believe that God is who He says He is. When the Bible tells us that He will put us on His wings like the wings of an eagle and carry us through our distress, we believe Him. When it tells us that He will never leave us nor forsake us, we believe Him. When He promises that we will see one another again on this side of heaven or the other, depending on our situation, we believe Him. It's not perfection. It's not self-righteousness. It's just the fact that when we have nowhere else to turn, no one else to believe in, nowhere else to lay all of our burdens, that we can lay them on Him. And He says, this town has rejected me. They've abandoned me. They don't need me. You say, what does that mean for me? One, the invitation is given. In Revelation chapter 22, as the Bible comes to a conclusion, listen to what Jesus says. I, Jesus, don't doubt, don't question. He says, I want you to know this is coming from me. Have sent my angel to testify to you of these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. He says, I'm Jesus. I am who I say I am. I have the authority that I say I have. I'm making you this promise. So don't argue with it. Don't question it. Believe the authority that it comes with. And you would say, well, this must be something real serious, right? Something misstrict, like don't do this or don't do that. But he gives you his title He gives you the promises of who He is so that you know what He is saying you can believe. And this is what He says. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, Come. And let him who thirst, Come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life Freely. What that means is this morning if you're here and the Spirit of God's dealing with you and you are not a Christian, no matter what excuse you've made, God is telling you to come. You can be saved. No matter what brokenness, no matter what pain, no matter what sin, no matter where you've been, if you will come, God will save you. You say, well, Jake, I'm already a Christian. What does that mean for me? Well, the invitation is still given. Whatever pain you're carrying, whatever situation you're going through, whatever burden you're carrying, the Lord says, come. He says, come with all authority that I can give you. 
come. Friends, this church is not the answer. This preacher is not the answer. Jesus is the answer. He's the only way. You say, what does that mean? It means this. God demonstrated His love for us by the simple fact that He came and He lived a perfect life. He never sinned. He willingly went to the cross and took your sin and mine, placed it upon Himself, put it on His account, and hung upon the cross. And the Bible says the Father poured out the wrath and judgment of sin on Him even though he did not deserve it. He died taking that punishment that I deserved. He was buried. And while the world celebrated, Satan rejoiced. Three days later, he arose, conquering sin and death and the grave. He showed himself to hundreds, if not thousands of people. Then he went to heaven. But the Bible says that if you'll repent of your sins, that means I'm not going the way I'm going. I'm not rejecting the things I've been rejecting. I realize I am heading away from God if I will repent and turn from my wickedness. The Bible says if you'll call upon His name and believe in your heart and accept Him as the Lord and Savior of your life, the Bible says you shall be saved. Child of God, if you are needing Him, the Bible says if you will seek Him, you will find Him. If you will draw near to Him, He will draw near to you. You say, Jake, this isn't the sermon I was expecting. It's not even the sermon I was wanting. Trust me, it's not the sermon I wanted to preach. But at the end of the first service today, I got a text from a young man. I won't tell you who he is or where he's even at, but he is living in the middle of it. And he said, I watched the sermon. And he said, I really needed it. And friends, this morning, I cannot heal people. I'm not Benny Hinn. I'm not Billy Graham. I can't preach great crusades. But what I can tell you this is your heart has got to be right with God. In whatever situation you are, And if you'll let him, he'll do amazing things. Father, I come to you right now lifting up this congregation, the families that are hurting, families that have lost loved ones, those under conviction this morning. Lord, help us. Help us, Lord, to love you, to love each other. This morning, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit is at work in this place, softening hearts dealing with anger, dealing with sadness, dealing with all of the struggles that we bring. Lord, we thank you so much for who you are and how you love us. Lord, help us to grieve with those who grieve. Lord, to weep with those who weep, to rejoice with those who rejoice, to show that our heart is like yours. And so, Lord, whatever needs to happen today, I pray that it would. And I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.